0: To me, it felt like a moment between me and this beautiful predator. It wasn't for the media or the papers or anything like that.
1: That's the first question. Did you take a photo? And so it immediately puts you on the defensive. Because when you say no, people say, well, it didn't happen. You're on the back foot of what's your little story. Welcome to Big Cat Conversations. We speak directly to people who've encountered one of Britain's big cats. We also discuss the bigger picture. I'm Rick Minter, and thanks for joining me. Welcome to episode 63 of Big Cat Conversations. This one is being released in mid-November 2021, and we are returning to Scotland. Frances witnessed an incident in August this year, so we'll discuss that and we'll also learn about what else she's heard about, Big Cat Wise, in the vicinity as a result of bringing up the subject with local people. So Frances, welcome. Thanks for coming on the show.
0: Thank you. I'm delighted to be here.
1: Great. Thank you, Frances. What did you think of the subject before this happened, had you given the notion of big cats being wild in Britain and Scotland any thought whatsoever before this incident occurred?
0: I was aware of the fact that mainly in the north of Scotland there had been sightings of big cats, and for oh, 40 years or so, I lived in England, near London, first of all, and then in Lancashire in the northwest, and I was aware of odd reports from time to time of big cats being around. I have some friends who live in Anglesey, and I remember them telling me at one point that there had been reports of big cat sightings there. So throughout my life, I would say I've been generally aware of big cat sightings, and I was never really sceptical about them. I believed that they were real, but that most of the cats were maybe escapees from you know private collections but that ultimately some might be living in the wild perhaps uh, breeding but other than that I didn't have any particular opinions on them.
1: Okay so you presumably also thought it was a distant factor from wherever you lived.
0: Yes. You know, I love going out walking. I'm a keen bird watcher. I think nothing about just going out for the day up into the moors all on my own. And I had never, ever considered that I might actually see a big cat. Didn't come into my way of thinking at all. I was certainly aware of um, other wild animals being around here, but not big cats.
1: (laughs) Yeah, sure. And of course, you mentioned Anglesey. Well, we've done an edition from Anglesey a long-going case from there which it seems to be over now that's episode 51 i think it is so if you haven't heard that Mm -hmm. one of the things we concluded was they'd be snaffling the seals and the seal pups on the anglesea coast to make up for the lack of deer in the anglesea landscape there we go so yeah well can we go back to august this year was it when you saw one Mm -hmm. and this is from your own property from your own garden is that the case
0: Yes, it is. Now, the village where I live is fairly typical of small villages in Scotland where there's a main road that goes through it, and I'm just off the main road. But then there are other little subsidiary roads that are very, very quiet, and there's moors on either side of the village. Now, my back garden leads on to a piece of land that is actually owned by the local estate and then it slopes down to just a side road and I had been working in my garden it was a very very hot summer's day and I stopped and got myself a cool drink and just wandered to the bottom just to look out you know I just love the scenery around my house and um, I was just thinking oh I'm so lucky to be here and then I noticed some children walking on the roads. There were three young boys, and they looked to be about eight or nine, and they were just sauntering very, very slowly. And out of the corner of my eye, I saw what I initially took to be their pet dog, but there was just something about it that made me, you know, turn my head to look at it properly. Because it, it was a way it was moving. It was the shape of its head, its long tail that curled up at the bottom. And I just thought, oh, my word, what on earth is that? It's not a dog. And I was looking at it and, you know, its, its head almost looked sculpted. Um, and its bone structure was so clear. And I thought, my goodness, that just looks like a mountain lion. And it was dark grey in colour. Which threw me a bit because all of the reports that I remember would you know, come across from time to time talked about black cats. But anyway, I was just about to shout out to these boys because at that point, I still thought it was their pet, which might sound really, really stupid, but I still thought it was with them because it just seemed to be, you know, doddering along, keeping the same pace as them. So I was just about to shout out, "Hey, what's your pet?" when one of them turned around and in the most delightful accent said, look at that, what a earth is that, what's that? And then the other two <laughs> turned around and one of them said something and then the three boys just ran off rather quickly. So I thought then, ah, that animal is not with them. So where the boys had been walking, there's... A small pavement, but beside it, there's a large rectangle of land that somebody keeps mowed. It's very, very nice-looking grass. There was once a building there, and you can see the outline of the foundations. But from that rectangle of grass, the moor then just rises up. So the cat was at the very edge, just sauntering along. Now, there's a small telephone exchange there and there's a fence around it so when the boys ran off the cat increased its pace a bit and then it crouched down and then it just bounded over the fence I mean it cleared it by a considerable margin and then it disappeared up the side of the building and I just stood there thinking oh my goodness what have I just seen so I ran into the house to get my binoculars came back And couldn't see a thing. It had just disappeared. You know, I stood there for about another 15 minutes or so but couldn't see it anywhere and then sat and thought about what I actually had seen. But there's absolutely no doubt it was a cat. It was absolutely broad daylight. It was about, you know, 12.30. It was in direct sunshine. It was unmistakably a large cat.
1: Several things to unpick there. The identity of the cat would be interesting to discuss in a minute. But first of all, can we have your judgment on the behavior of the cat? What do you think it was doing? You interpreted it as pursuing them. Did you, do, do you think it was pursuing them out of curiosity or for any other factor? And when you say it went away, did it go away as soon as they bolted off?
0: Well, the boys were walking very, very slowly, you know, just three wee boys out playing and just taking their time sauntering along the road. And the cat was keeping the same pace as them. And that's why I thought it was following them. And. You know, I've obviously thought about this many times since I saw it, and I would still say that I think it was following them, but I don't think that they were in any danger. I I just feel it was curious. And the reason that I don't think they were in any danger is that the village was deserted in that area, apart from these boys, and when they ran off, the cat crossed the grass but it didn't make any effort to run after them the fence that it jumped over and the building it disappeared up the side of was the opposite direction to where the boys were going so I think if perhaps it had been interested in them as some sort of interesting and unusual prey it really would have dashed after them but it it didn't I just get the feeling that because these sightings are so few and far between that these cats must prefer to avoid contact with humans, but perhaps it just found these young children a bit curious. I would say it was shadowing them in parallel because it was walking up the far side of the short grassy area, whereas the boys were on the pavement. So, you know, about a minute.
1: And keeping keeping absolutely the same pace as them?
0: Yes, yes, which, because they were walking so slowly, I think must have, you know, been quite deliberate for it to do. Because the only time I ever see a cat moving very, very slowly and, you know, thinking of domestic cats, for example, is is when they're actually about to pounce on something and they'll creep along very slowly and, you know, then reach up to their full height and whatever. But the cat was just walking, but slowly. It certainly wasn't, you know, stalking its prey or anything like that.
1: And when they saw it... Do you think, from what you could ascertain, that they absolutely identified it as some big sort of mountain lion type cat and f- and fled away uh, because they felt, gosh, we've got to beat it. It was simple, simply, there's a big unusual animal, we've got a scarper.
0: Well, I think they saw it as a large wild animal that they couldn't immediately identify and that it scared them and, and they ran off. That's what I would assume from their behaviour.
1: Yeah, okay. Incidentally, were they people that you recognised from the village or do you think they were visitors or have you ever been able to meet them and chat about it?
0: Well, no to all of those. I don't know who they are. And I did actually think of going into the school because at this point the schools in Scotland had had reopened because you know, they they open a bit earlier than schools in England. And I thought of going in to see the head teacher to say to her, if any of your children are coming out with stories that they've seen a wild animal, it's actually true because I saw it too. Um, But then I thought better of it because I thought that perhaps the school might see this as a, a safeguarding issue and, you know, write to parents and warn them not to let their children out. Whereas I just don't think the children were in danger and I I was reluctant to, oh, I don't know, perhaps set off some sort of uh, hysteria among parents that there was some wild animal out there ready to drag off their children because I just don't believe that's the case.
1: It's a great dilemma, isn't it, whether to bring it up because bringing it up as a subject could lead to unintended consequences and overreaction. It's such a tricky one, isn't it?
0: I just thought in the end that I wouldn't approach the school and I wouldn't approach any parents with uh, young boys. I mean, I, I just don't think I'd be able to recognise them anyway, even if they walked past my front door. But I just decided I I wouldn't uh, say anything.
1: And it's interesting about uh, your thought about children at school acknowledging to a teacher that they've seen something like this, and that the risk they take in doing that is to be believed or not. I do have a, a witness who's had um, a very close, disturbing encounter. He was genuinely stalked in a frightening way when he was young. The situation came up at school when he actually mentioned it to a teacher and the teacher immediately scoffed at him and shamed him in front of the class and it really had a big impact on him. So it just shows you, you know, that's the risk you take as a child and you don't know how the individual, um, at any age I guess, is going to react. But that obviously left a real scar with him. So it just shows you that's the great dilemma of the subject you're damned if you do and damned if you don't raise it aren't you
0: yes yes you are and oh that that was a dreadful reaction on part of the school i mean when when my children were young i mean i've got three children they're grown-up adults now but um when they were young i helped out in school and until very recently i was actually a, a school governor and when i helped out at school and as a governor i used to Go into school now again and talk to pupils. And um, sometimes some children would just be, oh, falling over themselves to tell you little stories. And sometimes I'd mention something to the head teacher, and they'd they might say, oh, well, that's so and so, and we get lots of stories from them, but uh, we listen anyway. And you never know. And I think you've got to keep an open mind about things that children say. They might just have a vivid imagination but they might actually have um, some interesting tale to tell that, that is true.
1: Absolutely and if it isn't fully true there might be a kernel of substance to it that has, has triggered what they're wanting to express. Mm-hmm. There have been schools that um, in Britain and Scotland, in England and in Scotland that have sent letters home to parents about big Cat seen in the locality does happen and so it, it seems that the school and the teacher has taken them seriously or, or felt it's wisest to treat the reports um, seriously and, and send that message home to cover the basics anyway. We'll come back to the sort of the emotions and the tactical issue of how you communicate the topic in, in, in later on if we can but could we just try and get to the bottom of the identity of this cat because Is your hunch that it was most likely a mountain lion, a puma, a cougar-type cat, or is it still difficult to tell for sure?
0: Well, I have looked on the web and I've looked at lots of photos and I would say that I think it was a mountain lion, but it's just the colour of it that confuses me a little because I've never come across any reports of a dark grey animal. Usually they're black or sort of (laughs) lion-coloured, sort of uh, tan-coloured animal. But there was no mistaking the colour of this one. The sun, you know, was shining directly on it. And I could see it so clearly. You know, it was less than 40 feet away from me.
1: Well, I would say that puma, cougar, mountain lion cats do come in slightly different shades and tones. I mean, there normally are a sort of what's called a sandy brown or tan or honey blonde basic colour but they can be more some can be more sort of have a reddy gingery hue and some can have more of a grey hue so maybe it was just on the grey side of things can you uh, Mm -hmm. give Mm -hmm. us a sort of description as best you can of the the form and the stature and the scale and any key characteristics that really stood out
0: yes well it was Bigger than a Labrador, but not as big as a German Shepherd. Mm -hmm. And I say that quite confidently because the area where I saw it is a real favourite with dog owners in the village. And I see lots of different sizes of dogs bounding around there. So I'm quite confident about the size. Its head was, well, as I, I said earlier, it looked almost sculpted. You know, you could see the bone structure and... It was absolutely beautiful. I thought it was a, a magnificent creature. Um, but it was most definitely, you know, a large cat, a mountain lion. Its body was slender, but it didn't look undernourished. When it crouched down to jump over the fence, I thought its paws looked pretty big. I was impressed by that. And then its tail was very long and curled up at the end to form a U shape and i think when when i in, initially saw the animal and thought there's something funny about the way that dog is i think it was the shape of the head and the tail that threw me at first but you know everything about it was just so so different from a dog and it, it moved very elegantly you could say almost gliding, you know, not at all the way that a dog moves, because you know a dog will stop, it will sniff the ground, you know, its head goes up and down. This cat was just looking straight forward, and it was just moving so smoothly.
1: In terms of its wildness, you're implying that it was confident. So you feel it was one that was had grown up in the area, do you? You don't think it was a sort of fresh release one, it it just seemed confident and knowing its place and at ease with its environment?
0: Yes, I would say so, because the fact that it was in a relatively open area, I mean relative, given that this is a very rural place, but, you know, it was in an open area in the middle of the day. I don't think that a nervous... You know cat would have behaved like that when it jumped over the fence and then disappeared over well disappeared up the side of the building it um it wasn't really in a rush at all; it hadn't been spooked by the children running off or you know discovering it.
1: What do you think would draw a cat like that to that vicinity? Do you get deer in the area is Is there sort of food supplies? there water sources? Is there anything that would be a draw to a cat like that in the immediate vicinity?
0: I have been wondering about that. There are no deer around here. The moors are basically grouse moors, so they're covered with mainly heather and moss and bracken, but there are very few trees. There are loads of rabbits around here and rats, hedgehogs, and um, well, grouse, of course. As this was August, there certainly would have been young grouse around, but in the breeding season, the adults tend to move higher up the moors. We had, of course, had a hot and rather dry summer, so I wondered if it had maybe come looking for a water supply. There is a a little burn, a little stream that runs through the village, so... Perhaps it was heading towards that. It could have been food, but it could have been water. Outside of um, the village, well, maybe a a couple of miles away, there's a a large hill that is about 2,400 feet above sea level. When you climb up to the top of that, which is well worth it because the views are absolutely superb, you can see beyond the village that there are a number of forestry plantations probably all within a five or six mile you know distance but you know in different directions. so within those you probably do get deer and other animals so there might be larger prey well within the range of the cat. I mean having said that I'm not really sure what range they would have, but I would have thought an animal that size would could easily cover five or six miles in a day.
1: So there would be, it's very likely there would be deer within its territory then, even if not sort of on the moors. Yes. Immediately adjacent to yourselves, yeah. Okay, and I gather that you spoke to uh, neighbours and local people about it and you did hear about one other sighting, so it would be nice to hear about that. How cautious were you about, when you said you, you, you elected tactically not to raise it with the school, which I think is quite understandable from what you've said, how you've justified that. What were your considerations when you started raising it with other people in in the village and neighbours?
0: I have to say I didn't imagine at any point that people wouldn't believe me because I just feel, you know, I'm a mature adult, quite a logical person. Why would they not believe me, especially as I saw it in broad daylight? And moreover, I was 100% sober because I was planning to go off to Glasgow. So I was driving later. So, you know, why would people not believe me? So that that never was a consideration. I mentioned it, first of all, to my next door neighbour, who has lived here a lot longer than I have, because I only moved here permanently last November. But he's lived here for about 12 years. And he told me that he himself saw... A large cat, but it was a, a sort of lynx-type animal, and it was about 12 miles away from here. And he said that he thought that other people had seen something in the past, mentioned it, and the comments that they had received were along the lines of, "Oh yes, and what pub were you leaving at the time?" and uh, So he never mentioned his sighting to anyone. But I thought, well, I cannot be the only person in the village who has seen this. But I waited until fairly recently, three or four weeks ago, our coffee mornings in the village restarted. Because I had a captive audience (laughs) with the first one, as soon as there was a suitable point in the conversation, I just said, Right, folks, I want to tell you a wee story about something I saw in the summer. I just wondered if any of you have had a similar experience. And two women in the group said, yes, we've seen a big cat. But the one that they saw was black and they had been driving in a different part of the village. But again, it was one of the side roads and a large black cat jumped in front of them well it bounded from one side of the road to the middle and then to the other side of the road and luckily they had been driving exceptionally slowly so you know they didn't hit it or anything but um, as soon as it reached the other side of the road it just bounded off and they stopped their car and tried to see where it went but it had disappeared that was it and um, sadly The lady's dash cam hadn't been working at the time, so she had hoped that she'd actually have film of it, but but she didn't. And the daughter of another lady had seen a large cat again, um, a black one, and that was a couple of years ago. Oh, Now, the sighting where the cat ran into the the middle of the road, um, that was just before lockdown, apparently. And then the other lady's daughter's sighting was... Maybe a couple of years before that.
1: All in the very local area.
0: Yes, I suppose less than half a mile away from you know my house, and less than half a mile away from from my sighting. But I would say that they saw a different animal to the one that I saw.
1: Yes. So theirs was still the same sort of general size, was it? Something that was big enough to kill a deer, for example.
0: Yes. Yeah, I I described to them the size um, of the cat that I had seen, and they had said, yes, yes, I'm I'm sure it was about the same size.
1: And the other people listening in, did you get the impression they believed you and were interested?
0: I thought that maybe a couple of people were a bit sceptic at first, but then when the other two ladies gave their experiences, that um, their attitude changed somewhat. And then there was, you know, one lady who said, Oh, you know, I wouldn't like to bump into anything like that. But I said, you know, look, these cats probably, you know, don't want to bump into us. So if you did happen to see it, I'm sure that it would run away from you faster than you could run away from it. (laughs) At that particular conversation, it did come up that a few years ago in the village, a couple of cats went missing. And Where I saw my cat, if I can call it that, and the moor rises up, there are some sheep kept in a field there. And I asked the coffee morning group, did they know who the farmer was and had he ever lost any lambs? And one woman said, yes, he's had some lambs that have just disappeared. Now, if there were... Foxes around here, um, but there aren't apparently nobody ever sees any, probably because there's not enough cover for them. Then, you know, fox tends to leave a trail of animals. You know, if it's a bird, there'd be a trail of feathers and things, but these lambs have
1: just disappeared. Do people know whether the farmer uh, has seen one or feels that a cat is the likely culprit?
0: Well, I don't know, but. You know I'd like to um try to meet him at some point to see <laughs> if he has an opinion on it, and um, because I would like to tell him what I saw, and if he has had some lambs that have disappeared, then you know that may explain it, you know otherwise, I don't know if he thinks that a human being has <laughs> stolen a lamb or two, which I suppose you know might still be the case, but I don't think the attitude within that coffee morning group was. You know, one of, oh, my goodness, you know, we should all be um, frightened. But I think there was some wariness. You know, perhaps uh, those people had small dogs or or cats. I I don't know.
1: Yeah. How do you personally feel? I mean, you you saw it active for a minute or so. Powerful sort of jumping ability and everything and and how it really is an animal doing as it pleases in the locality. (laughs) How did that emotionally affect you?
0: I felt incredibly privileged to have seen it because I just thought it was a magnificent animal. You know, when it crouched down, I could almost feel its strength. That might sound a crazy thing to say, but, you know, it sprang up and I just thought, wow, (laughs) that looks amazing. And it occurred to me that, you know, had I stopped my gardening and got my cool drink five minutes earlier or five minutes later, I would have missed it completely. But it was just down to chance that I was looking, um, well, I was standing at the bottom of my garden, looking out at the time that it happened to walk past. I just feel very, very privileged to have witnessed what I did.
1: Is there anything that would have changed your mind? Had you picked up the fact that it might have had more threatening vibes or a different intent, that would have change your mind would it
0: that's hard to say yeah perhaps there's been one time when i've been out on the moors on my own i mean most days when i go out you know bird watching i can be out for three four hours and never see another human being but there was one day when i thought and it was after i had seen the cat and i was you know on top of a hill middle of nowhere. You look around, there's only other hills. You can't see any sign of civilization. And I thought, hmm, if a very large hungry cat came along here (laughs) and decided it would have a go at me, there may be not much that I could do about it. You know, you're stuck out here in the middle of nowhere. And uh, if you were seriously injured, would you be found? And it... Worried me for about five minutes and then I just <laughs> wandered on. But I, I still tend to think that they're not really a danger to us because, you know, I, I do believe that these cats are around us. There have been so many different sightings in different places. Um, we can't all be wrong. We can't all have been seeing things. But the fact that they are not seen regularly to me suggests that they do avoid humans if they can.
1: And they have big territories so that they're not often around in the same place. And Exactly. Do you think if it was around more regularly in that area, you would know it? You'd um, hear it or see signs or see it more often? It's a terribly difficult question, but do you feel it is just an occasional visitor or do you think there's anything that might draw it in?
0: Well, I think if it were around here much more regularly... There may be many more reports of small pets going missing. I think I'm one of the very few people in the village that doesn't have a dog, for example. The other day, I found a little hedgehog in my garden, and I took it up to the local sort of hedgehog rescue center, and I met a woman who had also taken one up, and she said that her dog discovered a hedgehog because it had been in her garden and then suddenly stopped and started growling. And so I think if a large cat were to come anywhere near domestic pets, that owners would be aware of it.
1: The dogs would be an alert signal to a cat at night or at dawn or dusk?
0: I think so.
1: Not always, I think, because the cats can be terribly stealthy, actually. You hear farms saying that they have taken sheep close to the farm itself and the dogs haven't noticed it haven't let off any calls but uh, i think often dogs do pick them up i think you would be hearing that if it was close to the village often
0: that's right and there would be reports of more sightings of it i'm a bit surprised that nobody else saw it the day that i did simply because you know it was broad daylight a lovely warm day but um Perhaps most people were just sunbathing in their garden or had gone out for the day. I did look up and down the road after the children ran and there was nobody else around. So it may well be that apart from those three little boys myself, that nobody else did see it. But it had to have come down from the moors somewhere and gone back up. But, you know, then again, as I said, when I go out walking, there are... It's very rare that I pass another human being.
1: So, But also not everybody declares a sighting because it's so awkward and because they're concerned about a backlash or unintended consequences. So there is that. There may be other people who have had sightings and just kept quiet about it.
0: Yes, I think that's true. In fact, when I first told my next-door neighbour, I did actually say to him, do you think I should tell anybody? And he said, no, I wouldn't if I were you. But I was really curious and that was when I started searching on the internet and, and eventually I came across Paul McDonald's and I emailed him. And of course, as you know, he put me in touch with you. I'm just really, really curious as to you know, how common these sightings actually are. But I can imagine that some people would be concerned about frightening others or feel that they wouldn't be believed. I can't imagine why anybody wouldn't believe, you know, a mature adult describing what they saw, but there you go.
1: <laughs> Especially fairly close. It's not like it was on on the horizon in the distance at low light.
0: Exactly. Yes.
1: Can we go back to the the school governor situation and the school's issue and young children and communication because i think this is really where it gets tricky and where if we face up to the fact that there are quite a number of these cats seen right across britain where do you stand on the extent to which it's helpful to communicate it and to gently raise awareness uh, i mean I, I have to say I, ha- I was once asked to do a talk in school and, and I, I did do it and um it's tricky to raise it with, with kids and uh, I had another friend who went to do a wildlife talk and I said to him, don't mention big cats. And this was to an after-school environmental club, nature club, and... He said, I didn't mention big cats, but the first question came up in the question time was, Sir, <laughs> sir how many big cats are there in Gloucestershire? <laughs> With excitement or whatever. So they then had a 10-minute discussion on big cats regardless. So it uh, just shows you that kids are picking up what's in the local newspapers. So do you think it's something which one should proactively raise in school or, or the fact that it could potentially raise so many so many distractions and and unnecessary concerns for people that it's not worth it, or, you know, where do you stand on all of that?
0: Having been a school governor for a number of years, I am very aware of how safeguarding has changed over the years. And it's, I mean, safeguarding is not just about, um, you know, abuse and those sorts of issues, but it's about, you know, keeping children safe generally at school and at home. But as things stand right now, I would still be very wary about going into school because I don't really want to raise alarm unnecessarily. Now, I'm going to keep inquiring within the village about other sightings because, um, you know, as things have just really started to open up again properly, um, there are so many people in the village that I don't know or. I know them to say hello, but I've never had a proper conversation with them. And I really would like to get to know this farmer who has the sheep. And if I find that a number of other people have cited big cats, then I might have to reconsider saying something to the school. But actually... You know, I'd probably speak to someone like yourself first about, you know, the best way to to go about this. Because it's interesting that you have, you know, gone into a school. I just feel that, you know, this village is in a lovely area, and the children have this, you know, huge, wide outdoors to play in. It, it's very safe. They can wander off, and I would hate them to feel that, you know, their outside world has to be restricted because of, you know, an imagined danger from big cats prowling around. Because I, I don't believe it is a danger. But, you know, having said that, if I do discover that sightings have been much more regular, then perhaps there are some precautions that children could take whilst still not restricting their um, their wanderings or their independence to, to wander around on the hills.
1: Say this was America, this was the western state, somewhere like Colorado, Utah or, or California or whatever, and they had in a residential, semi-residential area, they had a mountain lion hanging around. What they tend to do is that they would look to intercept it and look to consider it an issue if it was blatantly around sort of eyeing up deer in people's gardens or walking down the street sort of more than once you know i think they then feel that one is looking too bold and brave and in an open residential situation and it potentially won't withdraw from a young child. It might do, but that potential isn't worth the risk. So, if if one's hanging around the neighbourhood very blatantly, they move in uh, with their National Parks and Wildlife Service or equivalent people from the State Department to to intercept it. And often they do dispatch them because the um, actually tranquilising them is too risky because it can take you know several minutes for them to peter out and. The behaviour is unpredictable, so they don't take risks if one is, is seen you know, uh, several times. I think that might be the judgment for you guys in your situation. If that one or one of the black ones you know, is seen you know, more than once hanging around, waiting for the do- a dog to come around the corner, then you think, hang on, this is a bit different from its wild, normal behaviour, which is keeping stealthy and going for deer at dawn and dusk. So it is, it is that judgment, I think
0: yes i it it is, and I think if the sightings did become very regular, or if I you know discover through um discreet conversations that many more people have seen them, then yes, I think I would have to consider approaching the school. But as it stands, what I have is my sighting this year my neighbour's sighting of a completely different cat but 12 miles away a few years ago and two sightings of a black animal last year and then a few years before that so you can't really say that these are regular by any means.
1: Sure from your sample I quite agree with you but again it's part of the puzzle and the frustration isn't it? You don't know where your experience fits in to anybody else's and, and that's why bringing it up in conversation when you get the chance as awkward as it might be sometimes is worth doing i think because you then can see if there's some kind of wider picture on this
0: well yes you can you know i'm so intrigued by the whole subject now that you know i won't let it go i'm going to keep speaking to people about it but um when i get to know them and and they get to know me because i You know, I don't want them to, well, think, you know, I'm just um, some sort of mad lady who's moved into the village or, you know, somebody who's trying to spread alarm. So I have to be a bit wary about, you know, how I proceed with this.
1: Yeah, keep it measured. And you don't want to be labelled as the big cat boar lady either.
0: That's right. And I suppose the other thing is that, you know, having seen a big cat. I'm desperate now to find physical evidence, and I do remember last winter coming across some animal poo that I couldn't recognise. <laughs> it was definitely a carnivore because of um, what was in it, but I just thought, hmm, oh well, yeah, you know, maybe I'll see some tracks, but uh, I never thought anything of it. But You know, after I saw the cat that day, I thought, ooh, I wonder if that animal poo I saw was um, a large cat. So, you know, there's lots of things I can do on my own when I'm out and about, um, you know, looking for evidence, as well as trying to to find out about any other possible sightings.
1: Sure. Funny enough, I think it is quite difficult in open landscapes because you can't really gauge their routes so easily I think but I think if you can sense a route that they're going to have to take that's a good place to keep an eye out for potential signs and even use trail cameras if you can.
0: That's right. Actually one of the ladies at that coffee morning did mention to me another couple of areas where she she was very vague about it but she mentioned these areas and then said and I'm sure that people have said that cats have been seen there so I'm going to visit those areas at some point and just see if I can see anything or see if I can meet other people there and these particular areas there's one where there's a reservoir but there's there are trees around it Um, so there'd be cover possibly deer certainly a water supply So that could be an area where they could be seen. The other area is very similar to um, the village here, but maybe a a few more trees. So anyway, I shall follow those
1: up. I think also in high, exposed, quite cold and open environments, like you, I think you're talking about from what you describe, I feel when there are, are tight valleys... They really do hug those and and they sort of use those as their sort of main key refuge and resting spots. So do any deer and so there are tight wooded valleys. I think those are key places to consider as well.
0: Mm -hmm. Yes, there are a couple of valleys around here like that. Not so much within five or six miles. I mean, the problem with grouse moors is that trees don't grow, but there are some areas that have been rewilded with wonderful deciduous trees as well as coniferous trees. So those would be a possibility.
1: Very good, yes. Great. Well, it's so good that you could take us through this very interesting case and the talking points that it triggers are very important to us all, of course. So thank you for your... Honesty about all of that, and I think people can understand the judgments you've made, and and the fact that you want to keep on the case, but in in a careful, considered way. Before we close, is there anything else you'd like to mention? Anything else you'd like to say on the subject? Anything else you've noticed from your follow up look into the subject?
0: I would just say that whilst I am determined to keep up my inquiries, I know I have to be very circumspect about the manner in which I do it because. You know, for me personally, I absolutely welcomed the sighting, and I'm just so excited still every time I think about it, but not everybody has that attitude, you know whether they have little pets or young grandchildren or whatever. other people are much more wary about it, so I just have to be careful, and I would, uh, I suppose, urge the same care to anyone else who has an experience like mine and um, is really desperate to find out more.
1: Sure. Now, incidentally, very interesting that um, both the main two coloured cats, the black panther, black leopard, presumably, type 1, and the, the mountain lion, presumably, type 1, you know has been seen in your vicinity and just shows you that a good location for these cats is often shared they they do coexist and they probably work around each other and avoid each other if it caters for the needs of these cats they'll find the right locations and that happens all across the country you know here in Gloucestershire where I am we get uh, all of the hot spots here in Gloucestershire where we get sort of routine regular Uh, reports will get both mountain lion puma cougar type ones the the tan colored one and the black one in time maybe not every year but in over time the data will show that both types are being seen and sometimes the lynx but of course the lynx type ones are seen in lesser numbers anyway and of course they are such similar cats anyway so they're going to have similar habits uh, following similar prey and similar territory size that sort of thing
0: i suppose the big question that you know, a lot of people have that have experienced these sightings, and and you know, people who are interested in the sightings generally is, are these cats actually breeding in the wild? In fact, when I told my sister about the sighting, because after I had seen it that day, I went on to Glasgow to spend the weekend with her, and I couldn't wait to tell her, and and she just said, "Oh, poor thing! I wonder if it has a mate." And I thought, "Mm, yeah, that's well. That that is an interesting question because you know otherwise the picture is a rather depressing one of these magnificent animals just you know existing in the wild on their own, you know, finding their food every day and then dying. (laughs) And it's it's very sad.
1: (laughs) Well, I think in a low population where the numbers are low, it is more challenging to find the other half that you would spread your genes with but I think they manage it they've clearly managed it Um, I don't think all of the ones that are being reported now are fresh out of captivity I think we must assume that um, some of them have grown up here and know the ropes. And of course, sometimes more than one are seen and reported together anyway. And sometimes, you know, what appears to be a mother with young are seen and reported, and including on this, it happened a few times on this podcast, and hopefully we'll get some more like that. But it's funny how people do take pity on them, but I don't think you need to.
0: (laughs) Yes, I I suppose that's right. And if these cats do tend to eventually find their way to a very suitable terrain and in terms of providing cover shelter food and water then you know perhaps ultimately they do find a mate
1: exactly yes i mean what will also be interesting is if you ever hear it or think you hear it i mean may- maybe if you haven't done google do a web search for puma cougar mountain lion calls and the um the female in heat is a very distinct call and you know that that's the sort of thing that you might hear which uh, might give it away in the locality in the future so particularly if uh, there's no other competing noises in a tranquil location like you've got i presume
0: actually that is one thing that i haven't yet googled so i will do that because it's, well, it's a bit like when you're out birdwatching, often you will hear birds but never see them because they're so secretive. So it would be very similar, I suppose, with these cats that sometimes you might hear them and, and not know what it is that you're hearing.
1: Yes, when they are looking to, to mate, that's, you know, obviously that, that's one of the signs. The male is spending his time seeking females in estrus, and obviously that's scenting sometimes scratch marks and things but um it's the call as well so the vocal communication is an important factor here and it would allow us to pick up on them but again with big territories you're not going to hear it often but it's something to consider anyway just in case
0: indeed it is yes
1: So thanks again to Frances for her input and all of her thoughts, and we will keep in touch with her, of course. We are back in Scotland soon to hear about some more recent cases with investigator David McEwen. Then in February we have a theme edition on the Scottish wildcat, or the European wildcat if you prefer. We have a special guest lined up for that one, so more about that soon. In the last episode, we put a call out for any big cat encounters that we could feature from France. Well, it seems our British big cats have got counterparts in France, so we have a French edition coming next time. That has two Black Panther reports from very different dates and widely separated regions. So it's the French panther mystery next time. Just this week in early-mid-November, if you're listening on schedule, there has been some possible distant footage of a big cat, first on Facebook and then on a newspaper website. It's in Norfolk, and on the same day that clip was filmed, a podcast listener witnessed what he is sure is a big black panther just two miles away in Norfolk. He believes it is the same animal that appears on the footage. And we are due to hear from him on this podcast soon, If you've not seen it, we've put a web link to the newspaper piece containing that footage under episode 63 of our REFs and Links page on the Big Cat Conversations website. Now, for our word of the week, we have solipsism. It's not a word you'd use in the pub, but it's relevant to our topic. And it partly relates to the outlook of some sceptics. Solipsism means that the only reality you can be sure of is your own and your own experiences. So Frances, in this edition, stated she had a clear, relatively close sighting of a big cat. So why would people not believe a sensible, mature adult like herself? Well, solipsism explains part of the disbelief, and in a milder form some people claim they could only believe what they themselves have witnessed. Solipsism is also used in the sense of human-centered views. So if people cannot relate to the lives and needs and stresses of animals, for example, that could be a form of human-centered solipsism. Knowing that your dog is chasing and harassing deer, for example, because they are quotes only deer is not giving any regard to the experience and welfare of the deer, and you're only considering a human view of what's happening in that wood as you and your dog pass through. So solipsism is a thought-provoking word in many ways, and may be relevant especially to the scepticism side of our subject. Before we close, can I thank the latest reviewers on the Apple Podcast Reviews page for Big Cat Conversations. I see we've had recent supportive comments from Australia again and two nice reviews from North America. Thanks so much for those bits of feedback and it's so good to know you appreciate the show. As we sign out, big thanks to Descant because our outro music is Dance of the Wildcats. As ever, thanks for listening everyone. Take care and bye for now.